Welcome to another edition of Reptile Fight Club. I am your host, Justin Julander, and digitally by my side, Mr. Chuck Bolland. Digitally doing? always by your side. <laughs> yep. He's he's always a phone call away. That's right. All Sometimes right. Sometimes I got to call you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget, like tonight. <laughs> hey, hey. We, we had a separate time and <laughs> we made it, I guess. Yeah. We yeah. may not be uh, the best prepared, so maybe you'll have a lot of feedback for us on this one, but um, we will fight anyway. I'm always good for a fight, man. We must fight on. Yes, we must. Yes. Well, anything going out there, going on in Herp land? Uh, I don't know. I was looking at the Tracy A t- tonight, and it's it's raining here, and they're just cruising. Ooh. All of them are cruising around their cage like they don't know what the fuck's going on, so... Uh, I don't know. The female doesn't look amazing right now. I'm, 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 I'm wondering if my season's going kaput right now, but it's still, it's still a little early. I still got time. Um, so, you know, it's just, I'm just kind of, I'm wallowing in my own, you know, (laughs) what do you mean? She doesn't look positive. Yeah. She just, I mean, you know, they all got real dark like they do about this time, but she just like, I, I don't know, man. I was just like, I, and you know, maybe she's just, they're just psyching me out. Who knows? But, um, yeah, that's how it goes this time of year. You know, I just gotta, yeah. just gotta woosah that, that right off and just, you know, see what, hopefully they do what they do. But, you know, like I said, it's still a little, you know, um, usually mid, what did I say? Mid June, I think is when the eggs usually get laid. Mm-hmm. So, I got, you know, yeah, I got time. So, um, but yeah, just like not cool, man. When you get as much little as rain as we do in San Diego and you go in there and they're all just cruising around the cage, looking at you, like, I don't know, like, like, like a party was going to happen, but it's not (laughs) what you're supposed to be doing right now, man. Don't you know there's a little pressure system outside? Yeah, dude. Get to breeding. Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? Uh, yeah, so there's that, and um, let's see. Listen to uh, listen to NPR, uh, the Eric and Owen um, on the way home. So, yeah, um, good good listening to those. I like I like listening to them when it's just the yeah. two of them. Uh, they're funny. It so. is a good good deal. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully people feel the way same way about us. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> once in a while it's hey. fun just for us to fight. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is good to hear. I haven't heard their show yet, so I need to listen to that. Yeah. One. Well, there, there, there was, uh, there was herb trips and things brought up and excitement mm-hmm. to be had. And, um, I, I saw that they're opening Australia back up. Yeah. That's, uh, that's exciting. Hopefully it'll really be, <laughs> yeah. It won't just yeah. be a false alarm, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, not necessarily rushing to buy a ticket, but I really yeah. hope that's that it's true and they'll be open again for some tourism. I'm I'm itching to get back over there. It's been uh, rough not being able to travel to Australia in the last several years. I'm not sure how much longer they're going to be able to drag this COVID thing on. Did you see yeah. that? I, I saw an article saying that the uh, uh, that the CDC is not is, is is holding back tons of data that they've collected about. Uh, new variants and transmissibility and and all kinds of stuff and I'm just like oh that's not good that's not good <laughs> well so, what, what does it matter if they put that information out you got 
third of the country going, who cares? We're doing what we want to do. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that third can convince another third that, that it's all crap. Like it's, I don't know. It just doesn't, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, who, and, and I don't know, you know, you, you can, you can, you can have an opinion on that stuff either way and it doesn't necessarily change anything. But I mean, I think for where we are, it's, it's time to, it's time to just get on down the road with stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, there, obviously the vaccine isn't exactly going to be the thing that saves us. And, um, there clearly has to be, you know, uh, personal protections that get taken and, and, protocols that need to be done and if we focus more on that and figure out how to move along with uh with life i think that's probably the the prudent thing at this point so yeah um, yeah my my aunt made it over to tasmania where my cousin lives so she and her husband made it over but they had to do the whole you know two two week quarantine two week quarantine yeah and stuff yeah so you know i I don't know. It's hard to, hard to follow them, but it's just, I just really want to get over there. So. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no kidding. Been... When are you going to, when are you going to make the pond jump? Are you going to go over some I need to. Wait yeah. until your kids are a little older or what you, or just not on your priority list. No, no, it is. I'm just, I just, I, I don't know. I, I need to, I just need to take the time to do it. I, I, you know, uh, work's just been one of those things where there's never a good time. And so it was like, and you know, I got to find somebody to take care of the animals. My wife's not doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like aligning all that stuff. Um, yeah. excuses, excuses. No one wants to hear that <laughs> shit. But. Well, maybe we'll have to have a reptile fight club abroad and go over to, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Right. Just running around fighting Aussies. Yeah. <laughs> I, that'd be good. The Yanker wankers come over for, for some fights. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It is a little rough though. Cause once you do go over, you just itch to get back. So, <laughs> well, yeah, see, yeah, I know maybe I watch you and I'm it. like, ugh, maybe I don't need the bug. No, it's not true. That's, yeah, that's ridiculous. But it, is, it is. It is worth it getting the bug. It's yeah. It's great over there. Yeah, I'm uh, gonna head down to Mexico later this year. One of my buddies invited me to go out on a trip to uh, kind of it's mainland Mexico, but just across from the Baja, kind of straight south of Tucson. So nice. It should be fun. Yeah. Nice. May may be able to talk him into doing a little herping along the you know during the hike. Oh, so it's not it's not like a herb trip, not a nope. specific herb trip. What what are yeah. you just doing like a resort or something or what? This is my canyoneering buddy, so we're oh, gonna go hit okay. some canyons, swim with some gotcha. sea lions or something. So yeah, it should be gotcha. fun. Yeah, so no birding, no no. This isn't a birding trip. Yeah, I'll, I'll, a, I'll look at birds. Sure. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna try <laughs> and roll the life you're, list. you're gonna roll as much as you can into this. I know how you work. I know how you. <laughs> well, work. it's hard not to look for stuff when you're. Yeah. You know, me, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. When when's Mexico? Um, October. You yeah. boys been to Mexico? <laughs> that's awesome that'd be fun yeah that's your neighbor you're you're yeah. like pretty much on the border yeah like a couple miles a yeah. couple miles yeah 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 cool yeah well um i don't know my uh 
blackhead female went into shed and she's looking nice and big. So I'm expecting some eggs out of her and mm, your fingers months, are so. crossed. Yeah. yeah nice. I need to, need to make her a little fake burrow or something that she can go in and lay her eggs. I need to get her a good nesting box that she'll want to go lay her eggs in. Cause she does not wrap them up. So. Yeah. 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 I probably said that five or 10 times on the podcast, but <laughs> I really, have. I really want to get these things to hatch this year. That's yeah. one of my big goals. But. No, I would say that, uh, yeah, it, that's, I mean, I've heard it enough that I'm, I'm, I want her to take care of this for you too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know. I've got a nice group of uh, Southern banded knobtail geckos, the Wheeler eye. Nice. And, uh, they're they're you know, they should be all primed and ready to go this year. And, uh, should get, you know, hopefully can hatch that species out, get a bunch yeah. of eggs this year. Is, um, is that, uh, have you hatched Wheeler Eye? No, I've, I've hatched Synctus, but Synct- I haven't hatched Wheeler, Wheeler Eye. Eye. Okay. Yeah. okay. So now they're separate species. So yeah, right. I, I can't count the uh, Synctus for the species. Uh, so I see what you did there. One. I got you. Yep. I got so you. Now I, I got to hatch these out, but I, I think I like the Wheeler Eye a little better. I think they're that face pattern is just cool. They have yeah. this reticulated face pattern that's a little darker and yeah. kind of absent in the synctus, but I love the way they're very head, cool. Their heads look and they're yeah, they're they're cool. Yeah. Very cool. Man, I I tell you, so I had a I bought a group from Casey Lazic mm-hmm. and then um John Irby, he's a green mm-hmm. tree breeder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really cool guy. Like really just a super nice guy. But, um, so I, I met him at Tinley when I was there for the gecko symposium and he bought a male Wheeler eye there and I was just drooling cause I hadn't, didn't have any yet. And so I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. And I'm all staring at the one he bought, you know? And then, uh, he's like, he, he was getting them for his daughter just for a fun project. And I guess she kind of grew out of them or wasn't really as excited for him or something. And so he's like, oh, you, if you want them, you're welcome to them. Like, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I know you're really excited about these in Tinley. So he sent them to me, you know, just, out of, just that's legit. Nice, you know? That's so, super legit. <laughs> yeah. I was really just overwhelmed with, you know, the generosity. Yeah. Just a super nice guy. So I'm like, yeah, if you want any, uh, any of my snakes, he's like, well, not right now, but maybe down the road. Yeah. So I just say the word. <laughs> That's the, I kind of like the, the old school way of, you know, bartering and trading. It's sure. It seems, seems a lot funner that way. I don't know. Yeah. Kinda, you, yeah. Get it, get well, it, get a gift from the Godfather on this, the day of his wedding is. His yeah. Hello. <laughs> I'm a favor. Down yeah, the road. exactly. No, I don't think there was, a, I mean, he was, no, know, I know. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anticipating anything in return, but I just figured I'd offer it, but yeah, it's that's that does your heart good in the reptile world for sure. I forgot to mention that during my uh, reptile love club uh, podcast oh, last week. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I was not I was not part of the love. So yeah. uh, I was. Oh, I was, you got plenty of love. I'm sure you, I, you was. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We, right. Heidi and I gave a lot of you know good good love into the Chuck man. So. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm like everyone else. I haven't heard, I wasn't there for the, for yep. the, for the podcast. So I, I get, yeah. to, I get to hear it on Friday with everyone else. So, yeah. So, by, well, by the time you're listening to this, you've, everybody should have been able to listen to it. Well, I know, I, I know I'm talking about when, you know, not now, when is then, what? Yeah. When, when, is when, what, when right? will Ben be now? Like yeah. soon, soon, soon. soon. So, yeah. <laughs> Wait, where is this? We're in the now. This is now. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> That's great. That's a great yeah. movie. 
That's an all around <laughs> great movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen Spaceballs, <laughs> oh man, yeah, get out and check it out. Yeah, get out from under your rock. Yeah, I'm really hoping for some Gurney love this this season. Are you, are you ready? Are you, yeah, you're a gurney or like adults now, right? They were, yeah, like, yeah. They were they should, ready. They to. should be, should be ready to go. So just gotta feed them up and keep them happy, and hopefully they'll reward that. I'd like to revamp their cage, put in some nice fake rock and stuff like that. I just need to make the time and do it. You know, mm-hmm. I. It's been just ridiculous. Today was ridiculously cold. It was just windy and just this icy wind. You know, I I know you don't understand this. Yeah, I was gonna say that's my favorite part of living in Southern California. (laughs) Is the icy winds or not having any icy winds? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's all the icy winds we get in Southern California. That's why I love living here. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's a cold winter when it warms up to 32 and you're like, oh, it's really warm out today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's see, 34 degrees. Nope. It's, it's all relative. I mean, if it goes down to 70, you guys are putting on sweaters and jackets, like it's cold outside. And we, I've, I, I drove my daughter to the bus stop today and, and, you know, kids are walking down the road in shorts and t-shirts and no coat. And it's like, you know, 30, 30 degrees or less outside. I, I mean, I hate to tell yeah. you this. I hate to be the person who breaks this to you. But even <laughs> though if I wear a sweatshirt when it's 70, it doesn't make 32 degrees any warmer. I'm just... <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying is it's all relative. It's all relative. To what? <laughs> to zero? To freezing? Yeah, to when, it's free, when it's zero degrees? and you go up to 32, oh. you're like, this is nice and toasty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy. That's yeah. that's That's silly. Yeah, it, it, it is. But you know yeah. what? You know what you can't get in San Diego? Frostbite, my friend. Frostbite. <laughs> or or vitamin ski. No vitamin ski for you guys. Whatever. We got Big Bear. And oh, Big Bear. Snow Mountain. Get the hell oh, out of here. Oh, Big Bear. Come Look, on. Look, dude. <laughs> don't take your elitist ski. Take your elitist <laughs> ski mentality out of here. All uh, things are in California. All things. Yeah. Well, same with Utah. We got deserts. We got yeah, good deserts. That's Utah. what I'm saying. That, yeah. And that's a that's a definite selling point, right? <laughs> yeah. You your your sure. your ski is better than our ski, but our beach way better than your beach. I don't know. Have you ever been to the beach on the Great Salt Lake? Ooh, it's Ooh. fantastic. Yeah, see, I I've been yeah. out to the I Salton mean, the Sea. The brine flies are really it's, fun. It's, it's not awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but actually, awesome. the, the the beaches of the Great Salt Lake they they're they have round sand particles, so the sand is really soft and like cushy almost. It's really weird, much different than other beaches. So, yeah, yeah. I I heard it wasn't. You know like why? Sand. It's like you know why? It's like some it's concrete. Not really a beach. There's <laughs> oh, no ocean. It's on water. <laughs> yeah, it's not the now. oceans. <laughs> it's an inland. Nobody's sea, right? like the beaches of Lake Michigan. Nobody says that, right? They're <laughs> that like the shore. That That's point. the shore. Yeah. <laughs> it is the shore, but it is sandy. So I don't yeah, know. I, I, I mean, I'll give you that. I I'll give you that. <laughs> but I think it's like some dead animal, like with the calcium carbonate shell or something you know i don't know if it's real sand or not but it's cool it's it's, cool. it's an amalgamation <laughs> of dead bodies <laughs> it could be nice yeah but nice. then there's buffalo you don't get buffalo on your beach do you or bison mm, i mean we get some strange shit in california but i haven't really 
You haven't I seen haven't, a herd of bison. I haven't seen on the that beach. one. Not yet. See, that's not what yet. you see on the beach of the of, on Antelope Island in the yeah. Great Salt Lake. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Me and my dad went out there birding the other week and saw some coyotes like walking across the ice. That was pretty cool. A bunch of birds, some great horned owls and stuff. So it was fun. Some waterfowl. There were like thousands or millions of these green wing teals and shovelers out there. Pretty crazy. It's a good spot. And yeah. then this last weekend, we went out to the the Bear River Bird Refuge and saw a bunch of cool... We, I think we saw 28 species. It was like the backyard birding day where everybody gets out and goes... No, birding. wait. Is this 28 species to your species count? And, oh, by the way, no, no, let's no. get a little update for the fans. What is your bird species count now up to? <laughs> well, I started over this year, but it hasn't changed in new species. So the 28 are ones that I've already seen, but were new uh, for this year. Not, no, I, those weren't all new for this year. There were a few new ones that I hadn't seen yet, but. So do yeah, you consider seen, it a bad year? Is What's it that? a bad year if you get less species than you saw the year before since you're starting <laughs> over? Well, so I'm kind of like not as heavily engaged in the competition aspect of it this year. I'm kinda, Why? Because you dominated last year I and you just hung, last you, you hung your record book up and you're like, yeah. ah, another record that cannot be broken. <laughs> I, was, I was like 50 species more than, no, <laughs> than my cousin, <laughs> my dad. But no, it's, yeah, wasn't it's you, you, you whooped your dad pretty good too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think wow. the. Well, there was a woman in uh, in England that was in, in the competition somehow. So, and I Did think they have win? less species over there, but she got second place, and I think she had two hundred and thirty. And I think there's probably only like two hundred and sixty species in you know England in Great Britain. Are you are you saying that she might have been fluffing her numbers? No, I'm saying that she was a good bird. She was a oh, real okay. bird. Like right, she knew right. what she's doing. Right. So this year I'm I'm a little cocky and confident, but I, you know, I still there's still some out there that are probably pretty easy to find. I did go looking for a few new species and I missed out. Like I I may have seen them, but I didn't get a good ID on them. They just this these little birds flew through the canyon so quick. I saw them, but I couldn't get a good picture or a good ID on them. So I may have seen a, a new species, but I didn't get a picture, so I can't count it. But um, I thought I found a new species out in the Bear River. It was a little sparrow, but it turned out to be a swamp. I thought it was a swamp sparrow, but it turned out to be a song sparrow. So they look very, very similar. So I was kind of bummed out. And it was singing, so that should have been a clue. Like, had this really intricate song. So that might have tipped me off, but, you know. Yep. So now my species count remains the same as it did at the end of last year. So. All right. All right. Well, just, you know. Thanks for rubbing it in. Congratulations on first place for last year. Good luck. Good luck this year. <laughs> this year, yeah. I'm taking a little milder approach and yep. a little calmer about it. This is it, why but... you need Australia, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. last year was the birds. This year must be Australia. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think I'm going to hit Australia this year, unfortunately. But the, um, I think the NPR guys might be headed over there. Oh, year, but you're not no 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 i can't make it well i'm going to i'm going to mexico around the same time they're going to australia so oh yeah. okay i didn't i guess i yep all yeah. makes sense but now what gotcha. do you do well gotcha. yeah i'm headed out to your neck of the woods we're gonna go yeah yeah cool. yeah southern california I, I still want to see those uh 
geckos, the, I think they're leaf toed geckos that are out mm-hmm. on the rocks out there and in the, in your neck mm-hmm. of the woods. And then, um, I still need to see a California king snake in the wild. Isn't that sad? That's so funny. It's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've looked, I mean, I mean, I've looked, I've seen them dead on the road plenty of times, just yeah. not live. It's driving me nuts. Yeah. I need to find a way to scam in on this, but, uh, Oh, you, you, know, you got away. I got, You're I got cash. I got cash to throw on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, I, if I can find it. Hey, you just got to make the time. You're, yeah, you're I, dude, I'll be there. Yeah. I mean, right. hey, listen, All I'm right. not, I'm not crashing any party. So if I don't get, <laughs> no, like, if no, I don't get a thumbs up, then I'm not, I'm not trying to. <laughs> no, you know, no, you're in, man. I'm not so, trying to be a weird yeah. third wheel. Not at all. Not at all. all right. the, then I'm down. The guiding wheel. I'll be there. End of March, right? End of March, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. I'm down. I'm yeah. down. I'm doing Sounds it. Good. Yeah. I'm counting on you. you know, I, I won't let you down this time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I was a little disappointed. I know. <laughs> I never heard the end of it. Still, still, still <laughs> yeah, coming can't, up. Yell at me down again or it's going to Jeez, bro. Force, right? <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, you've never been busy. <laughs> hey, you got to make time for herping. I got that. You can't that. use busyness no, I, as an excuse. I, listen, I, man. <laughs> <laughs> tough crowd yeah i'm glad all right i'm glad, well, the, I'm glad i got love in the love club yeah <laughs> yeah because that hey, show's over. over it's over it's done <laughs> you'll have to listen to it over and over if you yeah, right <laughs> all right well what are we fighting today you gonna talk about what was it <laughs> I don't remember. I, I was trying oh to. We, we, you had the list, didn't you? Didn't you I say? Know, we, didn't we talk stress. About, yes. Yeah, talk oh, about stress. Yes. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, um, let's let's debate stress. Is all stress bad? Is there good stress? Um, so I guess we'll take it from the whoever wins the coin toss can pick if they want to talk about good stress or bad stress. And we'll go. Talk about stress, the pros and cons, I guess, of stress. You're stressing me. That's not good. Yeah, I'm stressing you. I'm well, you'll out. know you'll know the topic well. So, oh my god! All right, you ready yeah. to win the the coin toss? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see. Yeah, let's You're go. Ready? Lucky is running hot. Let's do this. Okay. Do it. Tails. Oh man, it's tails. Ah, you got see, it. it's always tails. This That's is your year. These people. This is your year. Telling these people. I know ah. what's up. Crap. Okay, well, what what side do you want? Good. So wait, wait. Pro stress. So stress is good. Stress is bad. Well, see, uh, there's, no, 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 there's no. both we sides. Got, listen, 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 listen. <laughs> We're gonna have to define this topic a little because it's not as simple as just stress is good, stress is bad. I, I will say, I will say, I am pro for the for the good stress. Okay. I think there's good oh. stress and I think there's bad stress. So okay. maybe I'll say, "Will you promote the good stress and I'll promote the bad stress?" How does that sound? Uh, that sounds unfair for you, but let's do this. Oh no, I I can handle I can handle the stress is bad side. <laughs> that works for me. Is that what you're, you're, you're saying? Pro bad stress? No, I'm saying that some stress is bad, or. That's what I'm saying. Okay, you know, so you're saying some stress, some stress is bad, and I'm saying some stress is good. 
yeah. Okay. All right. We're showing them I, look, how I'm the, just trying to get this no, straight, no, so no, I don't fine. just start no, talking gonna, like an idiot. And well, but, we again, I was I was a little ill prepared for this one. I clearly we set that's up a time, the, and I was like, "Oh, I'll be there," and then I wasn't there. And Chuck's calling, like, "Where are you?" I'm like, "Oh, that was we talked about that an hour ago." I My think our unpreparedness is on display right now. I, I <laughs> so don't think you're we getting need to, to see clip. how the yeah. sausage is made. Yeah. Yep, yeah. we're going right through the not, meat grinder right now. Not pretty, not yeah. pretty. Yeah. Okay, well, let's try to make a, a decent conversation out of this. Hopefully I didn't turn off everybody talking about birding and <laughs> COVID restrictions, but let's uh, let's get into it. So, okay, I'm curious, would you like to go first, Chuck? Um, I believe that like is, <laughs> as, the, as the coin toss winner, I believe that is for me to decide, <laughs> and you can go first. Sir, I, I should have known. I should have yeah, just should've launched have into it. Yeah, what am, I, what am I thinking? Giving you the courtesy of of being a decent human. Listen, listen. <laughs> Using your luck to your advantage is just not. I like that you're okay. apologizing as the coin toss loser, but no need, Ex- no need. Excuse me, excuse me. I have a floor. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> All right. So, um, of course, we know stress can be a very um, negative thing in our collections. We see this all the time. Um, you get in an animal and, and from, you know, it could be a captive bred animal from a nice collection and you get it in and all of a sudden it's got issues. And that could be, you know, it's mainly due to the stress of shipping, stress of, uh, you know, you see stress, uh, when an animal shipped and especially if it's like an import, you have very, low success rates with imports that are shipped over, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, back in the day over the course of months sometimes, and now probably over the course of weeks or hopefully days, hopefully they're a little less stress involved with the shipping, but nevertheless, they, uh, tend to take a long time to recover and to get into a routine. So having that stress can definitely, negatively negatively impact and so you know obviously it's it's much better to get captive bred specimens in your home country um, rather than trying to import something from the wild you'll have a much better success rate if you avoid that stress of shipping over to you chuck all right well um i mean i think that you're potentially overlooking you know some things i i think that uh you know while while stress is generally an issue it's often accompanied let's say in the example of imports by things like dehydration uh poor 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 health stress. parasitic parasitic in, infections stress uh, so <laughs> you know i think i think that you know when you have an animal that is nice and healthy, it's being well taken care of, it's well hydrated, uh, it can manage stress much, much better than an animal that's being assaulted on either fronts. Now, you can see the reverse of that. You, we, we all say like, oh, well, you know, once there's a parasite load or once they're dehydrated uh, and stress sets in, they go downhill. Well, if that's the case, then the inverse is also true, right? So if the animal doesn't have a parasitic load and the animal is well taken care of, then the stress is more manageable, right? And stress is just a normal reaction, right, to uh, environmental change 
Um, and, and stress is actually fairly healthy. I think in, in some cases, if it's properly managed, um, I think, um, you know, uh, I think there's all types. And I, I personally think that, that, uh, resource stress can be a trigger for breeding. Um, so I think certain, certain stressing animals in certain ways, uh, often elicits behaviors like reproduction. Uh, if they feel like, um, you know, the, the environmental conditions are okay and maybe they're, they have enough, uh, stored resource and, and, and they say, okay, I can do a reproductive event. Um, you know, because, um, for whatever reason, resources scarce or at the time, uh, they may go ahead with that, right? Uh, the idea mm -hmm. of, oh gosh, I got to reproduce, uh, or if I don't, I'm, this might be something that takes me down and I never get to reproduce and that's the end of it. Yeah. I, you know, I can, I can Did see. you just say, yeah, like, like yeah, you were, yeah, uh, I can, wow. so I can see where that might be, you know, the case to some extent, but, um, I'm sorry. I, what know, was I, that? I wonder why, uh, you know, was most of these, was that I the case? Maybe it could That's be the case, the case. but yeah. you know, more importantly, you know, oh, you see, you see right. animals in the wild that they have parasite loads and they're doing just fine, you know? Sure. So, so bringing them into captivity, you know, and stressing but why? them out. But why is that? Because monkey be poking them. Yeah. But, but is that because yeah. they have, uh, access to resource that they need or oh, is you, that, what I mean, do you mean? Well, like, i.e. that they may have a water source or, or they may be able to be hydrated or they have food, uh, it, you know, i.e. they're not leveraging multiple factors, whereas when they're put in a box mm -hmm. and then they don't have the ability to make resource decisions uh, or to meet their needs, that that stress compounds with the other you know, shortcomings that they have going on and it causes, uh, kind of an amplified, um, you know, issue. Um, sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I would say that there are definitely, uh, negative stressors in the wild because you do see animals that, you know, go through drought or go through a long time without food and they get very skinny and, and may not be able to mitigate the, the uh, negative effects of the environment. And so you'll see animals out that are just emaciated and, and then maybe the parasite load takes hold and things. But I mean, ha I, I think having a, a hairless ape poking you, you know, or trying to get you out of the cage and hold you. I am uh, not hairless, sir. <laughs> yeah. My buddy can comb his whole body in one stroke. Oh know? my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's, um, don't, don't let Owen know the, that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's looking the, uh, for Yetis. <laughs> he, 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 I, I figured that out by the way. So I figured out Owen is, Owen is part Bigfoot. That's why he's oh, so yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't yeah. want to be discovered. So I that's why you. he's, you know, he's hiding in plain sight kind mm -hmm. of idea. So mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. he shaves part of it, you know, shaves his face or something. Anyway, yeah. So, and he won't hear that because he didn't listen to the podcast. That's so. correct. <laughs> that is correct. Um, so yeah, having, having somebody, you know, manhandling you that's that's probably stressful for most species of reptiles they they aren't used to you know being grabbed or you now that's a huge stressor in their life and will increase those cortisol levels and and negative things can occur as a result of that 
Um, so I would say the, the, that act of, you know, being put into captivity, being poked and prodded by the hairless monkeys and uh, so forth would be, um, a very large contributor to stress in a captive environment. I do think the things you mention are also stressors, but I think they're maybe less so. I think probably the human interaction is probably one of the biggest stressors that, that they can go through. Sure. Well, I mean, I think that they, uh, they, are subject to predation out in the wild and that's a huge stressor and they yep. seem to manage that just fine. I mean, unless, you know, you have all these Tracy, Tracy just dropping dead in the wild because they're potentially preyed upon by something that, that doesn't, doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so certainly when you get them into captivity, um, they can become stressed and, and Oh, by the way, I mean, I, I, Far be it from me. I, I, I may, I may support, say something that I don't totally agree with, but, uh, there's really no objective evidence that it's stress that's killing this. That is the magic killer of all these animals. Um, I, I think that it probably has something to do with it, but is that the primary reason that, that, you know, we have animals drop dead? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's definitely studies performed that kind of, measure different stressful activities on cortisol levels in, in animals, including reptiles. And so, you know, some of this has been quantified. Of course, you're right. It's hard to, hard to determine what a healthy level of stress and an unhealthy level of stress is and where that's well, scale But you're also doing that in, I mean, okay. So in, in, in captive bred animals that are probably overheated and overfed and then, and then they're stressed. Is it is it the stress that gets them, or is it being fat and 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 having their metabolism ramped way up because they're kept too hot all the time? I mean, yeah. it's obvious if they're crapping out their intestine that that was probably the cause of their demise rather than stress, you know, and cortisol levels. But you know, obviously, you can have you know, if an animal goes without water for an extended period of time, that's used to a, a humid or a you know water full environment. And they go without water for extended period of time. That can be lethal to the animal. And, and obviously it wasn't the stress that killed them. It was, it was going without water. Same with us. You know, we can be stressed or, or we can, you know, die of uh, thirst, but which right. so, pretty quickly. So, yeah. So again, obviously. so again, it's to yeah. me, it's not necessarily always about the, str the stress being. The, so we talk about stress, like it's the primary killer of animals. And I don't think that that's the case because stress, no, is, I, stress is a I, natural I environmental. Oh, trying I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Oh. I'm just, I'm just saying, uh, okay. you know, that, that, yeah, we mess up a lot worse ways than <laughs> stressing our sure. animals out. Yeah. Well, and to, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and to sit Definitely. there and say that, and to sit there and say that, yeah, oh, it's, you know, stress is the big culprit. That's, that's what it mm -hmm. is. Like, well, really? Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think stress is a factor, but I, I don't necessarily think stress is, I mean, you, we would not be successful as animals, anybody, anything on this planet, if stress was the primary reason that we all died. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you said that, that about um, the, you know, predator, stress of predators. Do, do animals, um, you know, I'm just asking this in general, do animals have that 
attitude of all the time that, oh, I'm going to be pray for something. You know, I'm, I'm sure they're keeping a lookout, but like, you know, those kind of things happen quickly. So they have adaptations to stay out of sight of predators. You know, I think they said that uh, green tree pythons, the reason the babies are colored differently is to, mm-hmm. to be kind of invisible to avian predators when they're younger and more diurnal. And then as they become nocturnal, you know, they change to that green and, uh, you know, a lot of shifts occur with that where they move into the forest a little more and they're uh, more nocturnal in their behaviors and things. So um, obviously most reptiles have some way to evade predators kind of built in, right? And I mean, anytime I would take out my Rankin's dragons out to an outdoor enclosure and put them out in the sun and I mean, they'd have their eyes on the skies and they'd be stressed out. And if you walked over a shadow over them, they'd gape and freak out, you know, and try to hide. So, you know, they know like when they're in a cage, they're not doing that. And so, you know, they know certain environments may, may pose a greater risk. Um, if you, if, you know, if that fits or maybe it's just exposure to that UV light lets them behave differently or more naturally. I don't know. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I, I, don't think they're running around their whole lives with some huge cortisol spike because every day they're afraid something's going to eat them. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just kind of inherent in their DNA that they're, they have um, adaptations to hide from predators or to be undetected. But I imagine once a predator grabs them, the stress levels might spike, you know, and they might get away. And certainly lots of reptiles have, um, defense behaviors like the frill and a frilled lizard or the blue tongue and a blue tongue lizard, you know, those kind of things, um, to, to, to ward off predators or to try to give them a chance to escape, you know, predation. So what do you, what do you think the natural mechanism of young snakes being nervous, tending to be nervous is about? Well, and, and I think they just adapt behaviorally, right? So younger animals, you don't, you don't see them out in the open very often they're usually hiding looking for prey undercover maybe most of the time where it doesn't mean that they don't recognize themselves as a meal oh that's what i'm saying but i i don't know that they're walking around full stress all the time because they could be a meal at any second you know what i mean like i think there's some um there's some balance to that or there's some you know they can't go around full stress all the time because they could be a meal at any moment right so there has to be some you know i'm sure the you know they they get stressed when when a predator comes near or if there's a close call or if they have to fight you know fight and flight kind of thing um but for the most part they're probably low stress because their natural adaptations keep them out of sight primarily from predators or their behavior, you know, living undercover things or being nocturnal. It's just a guess. I don't have data to back that up. Maybe a future episode we can dive more into the weeds on this. And yeah, get, I mean, you know, I, I, all levels and things. I think talking about what, uh, a, a, a young snake experiences, uh, might be a little premature, but I mean, I, I definitely think that you can look at the difference between young animals and older animals and you can see a, a, a big difference in behavior. And I think that behavior is born out of a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, an epigenetically passed or even a genetically passed a, uh, fear of predation. And I think, uh, you know, 
cortisol is a hormone that's used to enforce that kind of, of fear. That stress is, is a mechanism to keep them. I mean, if they didn't have it, they, they would not, you know, I mean, how do humans behave when they have no cortisol? But is awareness stress? That's a, I guess that's my thing. I mean, you can be aware that they're, you know, I guess we have a, you know, kind of a natural, um, uh, reaction, whatever to that, you know, rattlesnake rattle or something. If, if, you know, you've, for some reason you hear that rattle and it kind of makes the hair on your neck stand up or whatever. Now, in the same way that a Rankin's dragon outside sees a shadow and is like, Ooh. yeah, it could be a bird overhead or something. Sure. Yeah. So, so there are cues to kind of give so you warning. Stimulus input. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean a bear, you know, growl or, you know, something, you know, those kind of things can, can really. So that's what I'm talking about is like, I don't think they're walking around full on stress, high cortisol levels all the time because they could be a meal at any moment. I think they take evasive maneuvers or they have certain behaviors that keep them maybe out of sight of the predators. But, but then when there's a close call, like a shadow overhead or, you know, some cue that a predator is near, um, you know, smell or sight or whatever, then all of a sudden they're going to maybe have well, a, have a spike I, in the cortisol levels. And I, yeah. And I think it's, I think mechanism. it's pretty well documented that, that, that at least in humans, that we have a certain level of cortisol in, you know, in our system at all times. Yeah. And, sure. and, and when we go through traumatic events, those, those cortisol levels spike. Um, mm-hmm. And if we, have a long history uh, of traumatic e- events that that those high cortisol levels can actually be trans transmitted through epigenetics to our children. I.e., we live in a stressful time. We are going to deliver that high stress hormone to our children because they're going to be born into that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think that for, for what it's worth. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I think that it, so one, you have to be able to manage that, that that has to be something that has to be able to be managed. And, you know, frankly, if you're in a captive environment by kind of what you were saying, if it, you know, and, and if the food monkey's not grabbing you, then you shouldn't, you really shouldn't have a high stress level, right? You're not, you're not subject to predation, um, older animals can sit out. They pretty much know when there's food coming. They know they're not, they know there's, there's no predators there. So, so where's the stress? If you're not handling your animals, where's their stress? But, but yet they fall over dead from stress. Sure. You see and, what I'm you know, saying? I, like, I don't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they fall over dead from stress. I'm saying stress contributes to things. And, and, you know, if you, if you have a, if you have a high cortisol level, you're less likely to fight off infection. So any opportunistic bacteria or virus might take hold if in a stressed animal versus an unstressed animal, you know what I mean? Like you always see, um, you know, background bacterial or viral infections kind of pop up during the breeding season when you're introducing animals to other animals. And, and we know that, um, you know, reproductive events increase cortisol levels and there is some stress associated with, um, breeding. And and that's a, that's that's like a basic primal, like 
you know, basal function of all living things. So, it, you know, I yep. mean, the fact that stress is inherent in, in the most basic of functions cannot mean that stress is, 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 is necessarily a bad thing. Well, and, you know, again, this is maybe, a, you know, kind of a survival of the fittest. If you don't have a background, you know, viral infection or bacterial infection, maybe, you know, that stress isn't as big of a factor, you know. Oh, sorry, I'm getting text for some reason. But um, so if you're if you're uh, oh, my gosh, settle down, people. Um, if you've got, uh, you know, um, kind of that background infection the stress is going to bring that out but if you don't have that then that gives you an advantage i don't know you know maybe your immune system's a little stronger or yeah but 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 you're talking about like i i think i think you got to separate out the 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 you know the infection from the stress right like if 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 the infection's not there the infection or the stress right but 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 my point is if the infection's not there the stress doesn't matter yeah, potentially for for normal events. Yeah. yeah, but like saying getting shoved into a crate or you know that kind of thing. So so you know, my thing is like it's not stress that kills kills imports. It's people not taking care of them and bringing them in under shitty conditions for long periods of time. And yes, they mm-hmm. get stressed, but what fucks them up isn't isn't necessarily the stress. Now is that is that whole shot true? No, but I would argue that if they were healthy and that they were well taken care of. I mean, what's the survival rate on, you know, uh, like Dan Mullery's stuff that he brings in versus, you know, some of the flesh peddlers of, of, of the industry. Yeah. So probably I, night I guess, and day. And is that yeah, because I, they, they suffer different levels of stress or is it because of how those, the conditions in which those animals are imported? Yeah, obviously there can be, you know, those things are a great factor for demise of, of imported reptiles, you know. I mean, let's look at Tracier. You know, everybody talks about them just dropping dead out of nowhere. You know, what's the cause of that? Are they just weak snakes? No. Are they dropping out of trees in the wild? Or, no way. I mean, is, is it is it partially because of stress? Well, I, I, I think it has to do with, I mean, if you, are you asking my personal opinion or? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll give it to you. You think stress so, plays a role? No, I think people used to keep them hot and moist and, and now I keep my animals cooler and I, I'm not saying that they don't stress out because I see stress in them, but when you're not keeping them moist in a high bacterial environment and you're not heating the shit out of them. So you're not revving their metabolism and then stuffing them full of food. Like you're, you're unloading all of these things that, that, that actually contribute to making that stress uh, something that, that is more of a tipping point where the stress is not a problem if you're not overloading them. Yeah. If you're keeping them how they are used to being kept, if you're not changing their environment. So that's, I guess that's the point. So i.e. they can manage stress unless you, unless you put them in a condition in, in environmental conditions that leverage that normal stress. Yeah. Which also occurs in the wild. I mean, if there's flooding events or, you know, there's adverse winter events or something, you know, something that can, can really, swap things up or change things up for reptile population, you know, um, 
now is it the cortisol levels that are killing them? I don't think so. You know, they're not that acute or whatever, but is it a contributor? I would say most definitely. I'd say, you know, if, if you have these things occurring, that will increase your cortisol levels, therefore increasing your, you know, stress as we, we name it. So, Um, so I was, I was, and, and, you know, the other part of this, like, is, you know, how we keep in captivity, uh, you know, you're, we, we keep looking back to these wild populations and saying, well, they're not just falling over dead in the wild. Well, well, how different are they being kept? Like, so example, I actually went and got weights on my three-year-old Tracy A, and mm-hmm. I don't have a single animal that's over 400 grams. And I think if you were to tell most keepers that, they'd be like, what the hell? Like three years old and 400 grams? That's ridiculous. But, you know, <laughs> the three feet long and they're lean, and they're really, they look really healthy to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I again, it, it goes to like, you know, what's happening in the wild versus what's happening here. And I, I think if you were to shove tons of food into those animals and, and heat them really, uh, you know, a lot, they'll grow, but that it's, that's not, I mean, you're just, so you're, you're saying that negative stress of increased feeding and increased heating is contributing negatively to their no. survival. What I'm saying is that when you overfeed them, you overheat them, and you make them you live in a bacterial incubator. Uh, so it's the along, bacteria that's killing them. Well, I mean, that could be one. <laughs> it could be a. It could be some weird virus. It could be. It could be a lot of things. But the point is. The point is, do you believe that my tracier are any less stressed than anybody else's tracier? Because my yeah, animals you are you don't how mess old with now? them. I don't you mess got with them. It's yeah. young young animals, so maybe they were they adapted, not stressed then? I mean, they didn't eat. To, they didn't eat when they came in. I had to drop yeah. feed them and get them to start eating, and I never gave them hides. I I just let them sit in the cage and and live in, in that normal background of stress, but I didn't add to it by being the food monkey grabbing them. Do you believe mm-hmm. that, that because I did that, my animals were less stressed than anybody well, else's animals? I'm, I mean, obviously you're reducing things that stress them out, right? You're reducing the Not things really. that add stress to add stress their lives, like high heat and, you know, for, for something that doesn't come from a high heat environment, it's going, Oh crap. You know, it's too hot. I'm stressed. You know, the cortisol levels go up if it's too wet. Oh, what is going on here? It's too wet. I don't live in a wet environment. So that's increasing my stress. All these things kind of compound to a point where it's like a tipping point and they just can't cope with all the things that are thrown at them Yeah, and they drop dead, you know, no obvious like tumor or (laughs) viral infection. They just, but is it the stress that does that? No, it's not the stress. It's not the stress one bit. It's the keeping, it's it's the environmental. It's not it's the, the stress envi- at all? No, it's not the stress. <laughs> One bit? Look, no, I don't think it is. Because oh, because because my animal because my animals have the same stress. They have well, the same they, don't. they have the because same They stress. don't have the high heat. They don't have the high humidity. They don't have the the things that you said so, were contributing negatively so, to their survival. So which is stress. <laughs> so I don't look at at, at an environmental result i.e. high heat high humidity as that's not that's a source that's a source of stress potentially right mm-hmm. 
So they can yeah. be stressed. They can have a, a stress level, right? And that stress yeah. level is is a baseline, right? Mm-hmm. And then when That's they get saying. when they if get heated them- and, and that revs up their metabolism, right? And, sure. and now all the now that that base that baseline of stress plus that revved up metabolism plus that extra food, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to change their stress level, but you're taxing their body. But it so does. I guess, that's I guess what I'm, you could that's say, what I'm arguing is it right, does but, increase their stress levels. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh-huh. But for the sake of this argument, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> yes, that's what increases the stress level and kills them. Because well, I, obviously, for, I mean, for that, what I'm saying, what but listen to what I'm saying, though. What okay. I'm saying is that anybody else's Tracy A has the same stress level as my Tracy A. I have done less to make them comfortable in their environment. I just did things differently. Like I didn't, you know, overheat them and I didn't over, you know, over moisture, you know, over moisturize the the cage (laughs) and I didn't overfeed them. I think all of those are contributing factors to pushing them over the edge. And when they drop dead, when they drop dead, is it because they were stressed or because they were in the wrong environmental conditions? I don't know that we can make that call. That's, I guess that's my argument is, you know, obviously we can measure cortisol levels, but you know, it's very difficult to diagnose why animals are dying. Like we have this problem in our virology lab, we infect them with a virus and the virus, you know, has impacts to the, to the system, but to pinpoint what is the cause of death, it could be a number of different things. You know, their heart could give out because it's beating more rapidly, or it could be a neurologic thing. You know, they kill too many, you know, neurons or something. So they can't send proper signals and they get paralyzed and, you know, end up dying because they, they can't breathe right. You know, the, the nerves to their lungs aren't functioning correctly. So, I mean, it's very difficult to say what is causing the death. And yeah, there could be a number of things like, but, but I, what I'm saying is like, so you're, you're maybe saying that each, each thing has has like a, an equivalent unit of stress, but I'm saying think some things are more dramatically stressful and damagingly stressful to animals, such as an animal that comes from a relatively cool environment being thrown into a hot box, you know, and and being pumped with food. Um, That could be a a much greater stressor than being, well, you see um, overheating around the food monkey. Yeah. But you see, you you see, we got to pause here real quick, real quick. Got a shout out to Mike Stefani for the food monkey. <laughs> That's such a great reference. But anyway, I, I, I didn't want to neglect that, giving Mike credit for that one. But um, those things, you know, we, we don't know like necessarily how much those things increase stress. So what I'm saying is there could be some things that are much more stressful and could contribute to the demise of the animal more so than others. So maybe being around a human or, you know, and, and realizing, wait, this thing's not trying to eat me. It's actually bringing me food and it's bringing me water and it's, you know, whatever. Then it starts those, those cortisol levels may plateau or maintain, you know, at a, at a reasonable level where it's not damaging to the animal. So they can get used to, or, or adapt to those higher, you know, in the beginning, they were high stress in, uh, environments or high stress, um, interactions. And later they kind of plateau or, or mellow out to a, a manageable or, or baseline or background stress level is kind of what I'm saying. Whereas, 
other things like, you know, throwing a, <laughs> a cooler animal into a hot box, that's just a stress they can't overcome. And so whether it's the, you know, the combination of factors like the stress, the high cortisol levels can, can, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, what the physiological mechanism is of, of their death, but, you know, definitely that stress was not helping the, you know, the animal, the things, those stressors increase the negative um, impacts of, of their environment. You may speak. <laughs> Give me the silent treatment. That's not going to win no argument. Uh, it's just, I, I mean, whatever, whatever. Does that not sound reasonable? Are you saying? I mean, I guess. I, I mean. Okay. Okay. You know, who, who wants yeah. to argue with a doctor anyway? God. <laughs> Got it all figured I, out. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope you can no, tell I, I don't that. know jack about yeah, the subject, that. but no, I <laughs> yeah. I know. That was that was an eloquent <laughs> shoot from the hip, but um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think there, that, that I look, I think that you know what you're saying is completely plausible but we don't swap cortisol levels we don't have a accurate way uh or, or nobody has you know done the the science around what activities um raise cortisol levels to and quite frankly what an unsafe cortisol level even looks like in a reptile yeah. um so i mean you know and 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 quite frankly, there's enough that I think, I mean, look, how many, how many reptiles that are perfectly healthy only live like eight, nine, 10 years is, and, and their, their lifespan is, you know, something like twice that. And we're like, oh yeah, no, that, that, that's about right No, So, I mean, yeah. to, to be like, well, it was probably stress. It could have been a lot of shit. So is stress a factor in it? Yes. But I think oftentimes we want to turn around and we want to just like, you know, the great Sir Isaac Newton, uh, who, you know, uh, on his summer, um, you know, invented algebra, smart, smart guy. Um, but when he couldn't explain something, he chalked it up to magic. So even yeah. the smartest humans on the planet, uh, are are often you know relegated to mysticism when they can't answer questions, uh, mm -hmm. and so I think it would not be behoove of us to give stress um, too much uh, credit. Um, certainly, it's a factor, but I mm -hmm. think that there's there's plenty of other um, you know potential causes that you need to eliminate. Uh, before you can, you, before when your animal drops dead for no unseemly reason to say, well, that was stress. Mm, okay. Was it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, we don't have the, the sign, but I mean, there, there are definitely um, studies that have been performed to, to look at those kind of things, looking at, you know, cortisol in, in the blood and things. And I mean, I, I you know, obviously, but, I'm, but I'm that's, I mean, and that's fine, but that's like, cortisol. what is the, what is the, what is the, what is the, what is an unsafe level of cortisol? Yeah. Right. There, there's a, a study in green, green, uh, sea turtles or green turtles that, uh, 
talk about, you know, they, they measured cortisol levels in, in healthy animals and those with, uh, those, um, fiber papilloma, uh, the, the nodules that sometimes Mm -hmm. those sea turtles get and compared the levels and, uh, looked at, you know, how, how that affected them and stuff. So obviously, you know, your cortisol levels are higher in the animals that were affected by those, um, papillomas versus the control or the, the normal animals that are out swimming happy in the sea without them. Um, so, uh, obviously you can say, well, they've, they've got a disease, they've got some issue and that's impacting them in some way. And so the cortisol levels are going to be higher. It and, makes and, a lot of sense. And, and, and so I guess taking that, you know, <clears throat> so, so higher cortisol levels are accompanied by disease. Is that something we could say? That, yeah, that the, we would. I mean, the disease, the disease causes again, higher cortisol levels. That's that's kind of the idea, I guess. And so, so that's maybe the issue, the, maybe the issue is more around disease. Well, this is just one study. I mean, I, get I imagine if you if you took cortisol levels in your tracier and stuck, you know, half of them in a hot box and the others in in more naturalistic conditions they would be like, oh, you know, my cortisol levels are higher, you know, in the, in the hot box ones um, versus like a, if you had a uromastix and you stuck a uromastix in the hot box, it would probably have great cortisol levels and the right. ones that were in the so, cooler. But, but I guess, but, but I guess, and I guess my point is, is let's say we did that study, right? And we mm-hmm. stuck, we stuck half the Tracy A in a hot box, a hot wet box and the other half in a cool you know, cool dry box. Oh, and then we, oh, now you're, now you've got two factors, just, oh, just do one factor. Okay. fine. Hot, <laughs> then you hot, can compare hot, cool. the two and fine. see if it Let, compounded. Just, you know what? <laughs> okay. So then, then. All right. Captain scientific. You get method. your results. <laughs> so yeah. you get your results. And what you find out is that the animals in the hot box had higher cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what? You say they're stressed that okay. hot. You can say keeping them in in an incorrect hot environment when they don't come from the hot environment causes stress. It's a stressor causes, causes stress. stress. And so, to to keep your animals at a healthy stress level, don't keep them too hot. You know. So so yeah. If you but keep you your animals eat. correctly, you reduce their stress. I would say so. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. But I, I'm curious too about your, you know, where where you said you kept your tracea with no hide boxes. I mean, what was the what what did you do that for? Just because I'm a mean person. <laughs> you you um, just wanted to watch him squirm. Well, I mean, I so first of all, I like I I think I think that that come on now. Oh, he knows. He yeah. knows. <laughs> so or she. Yeah, that's he. Yeah, um, okay. she will start here in a minute, but um, <laughs> I, I think that you, wow, um, you have to be able to. <laughs> I I once had a, my cousin had a, a veiled chameleon, right? And they would handle it all the time and like take it out and like let it walk around the house and stuff. And I was thinking, man, this chameleon's going to be dead in a, in a couple days, you know, with all the handling it's getting and all the carrying around and stuff. But that thing lived 
longer than most chameleons in captivity do. Like it was just fine and lived a long and healthy life. So, um, you know, there's, there's something I think they can kind of normalize. So, so back to my original statement before I was rudely interrupted by my dog. (laughs) Um, no, I, so, I mean, when they came in, they were obviously super stressed out. They were, Mm -hmm. you know, they weren't eating, they weren't, you know, like, um, so my thought was get them comfortable in their environment. And I think you see a lot of people who get, and, and, you know, maybe this is, this is a, you know, more like dog training that I am in my mentality than, than reptile keeping. But it was like, Hey, Mm -hmm. if you, if you make them secure in the environment that they're in, you know, you don't have them hiding in all of these places, you kind of show them, um, Hey, that, you know, you don't, there, there's nothing there, there is nothing here that's going to, to get you. I'm going to leave you alone. The, there's no predators here. You're Mm -hmm. out in the open. You're fine. Nothing's happening to you. And uh, Oh, by the way, after a while they were like, yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing happening Mm -hmm. to me. Okay. And then they started behaving like, you know, every average scrub that you've ever come across. Um, so I think, you know, my mentality around that was that they're stressed anyway. They're, they have a level of stress to them. That's just, it's there and Mm -hmm. you can manage that stress, uh, as, you know, in, in, the most logical way possible, but you're probably not going to eliminate it. Um, and so the, the faster they can come to terms with the idea that they're fine, there's nothing going to eat them They're They don't need. So like if you, it's kind of like, it's kind of like with, with monitors, right? Like when you socialize a monitor, right? It realizes, oh, okay, I don't have any reason like this is not, this isn't what I thought it was. It's okay. Uh, this, this food monkey's just bringing me food and he's not going to hurt me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, that monitor lizards and snakes are the same. They're not, but I think, you know, if you're, if you're able to show them, Hey, you know, you're good in these four walls, then all of a sudden they, their stress level comes down and, and they operate at more of that basal stress level. Whereas if you're giving them all these hides and all this like shit to hide behind and all this, you're to me, in my mind, in my thought press, you were perpetuating that idea that there's something to hide from. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, mm-hmm. like if, if you just out and out show them, there's no reason to hide. There's nothing, you know, nothing's going to get you here's food. I leave it right here. I don't mess with you. You know, Mm -hmm. they get over it faster than than if you were to just perpetuate the idea that, Oh, I put lots of cover here because you need to hide here. There's all these places for you to hide. So you need to hide. Um, Yeah. And that, that would be an interesting study to see kind of how, how those cortisol levels normalize or, or go down. Um, or, you know, or if they remain high and the animal just gets used to it or, you know, what, how, what, how that works out, because I I do think there is kind of a tipping point. There is some level of, of good stress where I agree, you know, they can, yeah, where they can adjust, you know, do their thing and not, not get, you know, fall to, you know, opportunistic infections or, 
or they don't uh, shut down and not reproduce because they're stressed, you know, those kind of things. So I think there is a level that, you know, of course that they're used to and they can handle. Um, but you know, once, once they, once you add, add up the, the negative stressors, um, that can definitely negatively and, impact and, the animals. And you know, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I'm, I really think that it's those, those physical environmental stressors that are, are the things that are really the ones leveraging negative outcomes. I don't think, I don't think a, a, an unreasonable lack of security is what is driving their stress level high. I think those environment, you know, those missteps in and keeping that drive that str those stressors. I think that's in my mind, that's what's causing a lot of the issues. Sure. Yeah. Can I back that up? No, other than my animals have been fine and I don't keep them hot or wet or, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, it's just, it's well, just worked for me. So I think in captivity, you need to be looking for those clues, you know, those cues that say, this is probably, they, they're not enjoying this environment. You know, yeah. like if you, if you've got it too hot and they're always away from the basking light, they're, they're in the coolest part of the enclosure. Um, I had a friend that, uh, w was, uh, walked into, you know, this collection and there was a cage that had, uh, Womas in it and the Womas were like would never eat and they were like way you know they were always in a certain area of the cage and there was no you know no documentation on what was going on with them and stuff and so he went in and he measured the temperatures in the cage and like it was like the coolest part of the cage was like 92 degrees and he's yeah. like why is this so hot and they said well we had some ackies in here and the ackies you know we got rid of them and and then we just put the womas in there because they kind of come from the same environment you know, it's like, oh boy, that's, he's like, okay, first off, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a different organism. That's yeah. a failure yeah. to articulate. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously the monitors do great in that environment and they were just fine, but the, but the Womas not so much. And so, yeah. and they just weren't paying attention to the behaviors. Like, you know, you're not keeping feeding records. So you don't know that the animal or no, they were keeping feeding records and, but they didn't put two and two together. Like, oh, there's something wrong here. It's only eating, you know, a, a couple times a year. And it's when temperatures go down the most when you'd expect it to not be eating, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. cooler or whatever, but that's when it became bearable. And so they're like, okay, I can eat and digest and things are yeah. good. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. The animals survived, but I guess the enclosures were large enough that they could kind of get away with keeping them so terribly but you know Fuck. so he, he fixed it up and made it better and they were just fine you know so Fucking we need woman jerky yeah exactly that's um i don't know that's that's an old what reads thing frank reedy's the the jerky machines with you know the screen top cages with yeah. the bright light up top you know so um, we need to be watching for those cues in our captives if we're going to do this responsibly, you know, give them. And, and just because you give them a giant cage and, and all the, you know, uh, branches and stuff, you know, make it all fancy looking, that doesn't necessarily mean you've met their needs because these Womas were kept in a very naturalistic enclosure with lots of rocks and hide places and stuff like that problem was the temperature was really hot and i i actually had a similar situation went into a local pet store and they had this bearded dragon baby that was acting 
off. You know, it looked like it was weak and it could hardly keep itself up and stuff. And, and I was like, Oh, you know, is it sick? Does it, has it been showing any, you know, these, well, no, not really. It's just, and I'm like, well, show me its cage. And so I went over the cage. I'm like, you got a temp gun. They're like, yeah. So I measured the cage, the coolest spot in the cage again, was like in the nineties. And I'm like, yeah you're cooking the poor thing. You know, it does not belong in this cage. Stick that uromastics in the cage. Don't put mm-hmm. this baby bearded dragon. Yeah. You know, it's just heat exposure. It's heat exhaustion. Yeah. And, and they put it in a better cage with the hot spot of like, you know, the, maybe a basking light, but cooler areas where they could escape to. And it was just fine. You know, it recovered just fine. So, you know, we need to, we need to watch for those cues and try to base our husbandry off of their natural history, you know, taking in mind where they come from. I, I, I heard, uh, was, was it on one of the podcasts with the NPR guys where they were talking about, um, Rob was talking to Eric saying that, you know, how Mahara has about, you know, it rains more in Pennsylvania than it does in how Mahara, <laughs> you know, the, so you gotta be aware of where they're coming from. And that mm-hmm. was, one of the big eye-opening things right in the green tree book is like looking at the actually being in their environment and knowing that in the jungle, it's like 70 degrees. And you look at the temperatures up in New Guinea, it's like pretty stable. Like there's not much fluctuation in temperature throughout the year. And look, even, even if, even if, you know, Pennsylvania and the Halmahara Islands got the same amount of precipitation. It does not mean that putting that's that amount of precipitation in a box and then turning the temperature up is a good, is the same thing. It's, it's not the same yeah. thing, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing two totally different things. One's mm-hmm. a Petri dish and the other's an environment. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not challenging yeah. and, you know, I don't fault the people who, kept their tracia that way, you know, maybe the resources weren't there to know that it's not, you know, 90 degrees in Alameda. They just thought, Oh, they're tropical jungle snakes. So they, well, you got to start somewhere. Right. And you read, you you read weather data and you're like, all right, I kind of get what the, it says the climate is. So that's where I'll start. Mm -hmm. And, but it, but it does, it does kind of speak to the, sometimes we, we get lazy and we look at care sheets and go, Oh, this is how they've been doing it for the past 50 years. So that must be the only way I can do it. And sometimes, you know, it's scary when you get an animal and you want to try to keep it the best you can and you see, Oh, everybody keeps them this way. That must be the way you have to keep them. Cause. And and look, I think the story about this too, and especially with Tracy is, Mm -hmm. is that older animals were all, older animals were all older animals right the the whole idea of getting young animals is fairly new so yeah that that is that is part of it uh but i also think that 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 you know the the husbandry issues is 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 another part of the story too you know and uh, i mean i i think it's more than 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 just that and and you know i i think that older animals while wild caught animals are just tougher like there you have potential for you know way more stuff going on with them because they've just been in their environment so much longer so Mm. um you know yeah 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 i mean i think younger animals are also a little more adaptable to different environments you know so it makes sense maybe they're maybe you know wild juveniles aren't 
don't have as high cortisol levels because they they're just kind of dumb, you know, getting through their environment. Do do do. Yeah. A lot of juveniles get eaten. You know, mm-hmm. they don't make the best decisions a lot of times, and sometimes they have to learn. You know, through uh, trials, and I mean, you do see a lot of scarred up um, pythons out in the wild. You know, so they they don't have necessarily the easiest life. And and you you wonder if if some levels and uh, of of stress are are useful or important, even in the wild, you know, I don't wonder (laughs) Chuck knows. (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's definitely, but you know, overall, I think, uh, there can be definitely examples of negative stress. And like you said, all these, uh, negative environmental, uh, if you're keeping them wrong or, or keeping them outside of their areas where they need that can increase their stress and, and, contribute to their mortality. So that would be my finishing statement, I guess. My death blow, as it were. <laughs> you got anything to finish us up with? Oh no, on the on that on the uh, to end on that statement I think is perfect. Oh okay. All right. All right. Well you're just rolling over, aren't you? Yeah. Clearly I, I, the 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 level of the level of performance that you gave leaves me speechless. Oh, come on, come on. You you've you've got some fight in you still. It is late, but and we've waxed uh, a little long and long-winded here. Uh, That's so. all right. I feel lucky to just be here. Oh boy. You're now, you're, now you're just out. laying it on. Now you're just hitting below the bell, <laughs> buddy. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. All right. Well, and I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, improvements that we could have on this discussion with a little more preparation. So yeah. we welcome any uh, comments or any takers if you want to get in on the stress uh, argument. We want uh, to do better. We can do this one again with yeah. a little more preparation. Maybe somebody smarter than we are. Oh, so. did you? So uh, you know, I I. Uh... I follow the centers for biodiversity, uh, on, on Instagram and, uh, mm-hmm. they are suing fish and wildlife in Florida for dumping pollutants. Oh yeah. I did hear that's, about that. That's did you tell me about that? Maybe you told yeah, me. Yeah. I, I might've, I might, I think yeah. I might've sent it. I think I, I think, did I send it? No, I sent, I sent it to Ron St. Pierre. Um, okay. I don't, don't know. Oh, he was telling us about yeah, that. Yeah, That's he right. was the one telling us about that. He was saying yeah. you'll hear more about that soon. And oh. and there you go. So yeah, I, I sent I sent I saw that and I sent it to Ron. And I guess I didn't send it to you. I don't value you or something. I don't know what's yeah, happening. I don't count. Yeah. I don't live in well, Florida. I told you now. That's Florida's problem. Don't bother me with that crap. Person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently Florida is trying to sink us all. So, <laughs> yeah. At least Florida Fish and Wildlife. Sorry, Florida people. <laughs> lumping y'all in yeah that's a uh, that florida sometimes they i mean they've they've got a lot of issues and that's uh that's a rough deal but you know yeah. what do you do well um sounds like that's a good move in the right direction though if they're trying to stop throwing pollutants in the water that's a good well thing. i mean that's i mean it's good but they they have an invasive plant problem that yeah, that that now they're, you know, I mean, 
<laughs> they have an invasive plant problem that they're getting sued for the how the way they're managing it and in response they're going after reptiles as the next boogeyman to fund yeah. their agency so i don't i don't think it bodes well for florida i don't think it bodes well for fish and wildlife and it certainly doesn't sound like it's going to bode well for us um it, it you know unless unless we uh you know make a lot of noise and even still you know i mean it, it, it I, I worry. I worry about agencies like Fish and Wildlife because they are hooked into the mainframe system, and you know when they when they want money and and they're an agency that needs to exist, and no lawmaker is saying that they're they're not they're not needed, and we don't need to fund them. They're going to fund them, and you know, do you think a lawmaker yeah. gives a crap about reptiles? Nope. That's just a way to fund them. Cool. That's how we'll do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, screw us in the process. And, you know, yeah. uh, so, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a valid, valid concern. Um, well, and haven't they put like the um, legislature, didn't they go on break for a bit? So yeah. they won't be voting on the issues that are, you know, that we're facing right now in regards to the, the proposed legislation to again try to ban interstate commerce of reptiles um, for a while. So we don't want to let the politicians fall asleep on the issue. So keep the letters coming, keep the you know keep pounding them so we make sure that they don't um, let this pass. I, I did get a letter back from one of my congressmen. Um, and it was a typical like politician BS of like, oh yes, you're you're we appreciate your letter and yeah, there's lots of issues with this bill. But he didn't say I will vote against it or I will fight it. He just sure. kind of said, yeah, you're right. There are issues well, with it. It's well, like, dude, tell me what you're gonna do then. Tell yeah. me that you're gonna fight it. You know, like I want an answer out what of you. What he said was, I'm not gonna alienate my constituent, but I exactly. am going to fail to answer this to the point where yeah. I am not gonna make anybody mad and give you the political answer. And I'm exactly. gonna do whatever I'm gonna do later. And yep. And I mean, this is a failure of the American system of tacking all these other things onto a bill that has nothing to do with those things. That drives me nuts. They well, need to, it, it goes to the paralysis you know, of our, it needs to stand politics. on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, really. you know, when they or have the to lump all this or, shit together yeah. to get, yep. you know, to get crap passed, you know, it just, yep. it doesn't, oh, 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 God forbid you would have to actually address issues, you know, one-on-one without just stand, rolling yeah, them all in own. and, you know, yeah. And it exposes them to lengthy, you know, suits and, and having to reverse things down the road and having all, you know, spend money and time to, to try to weed out the things that were in there in the first place. It's just, it's just a mess. It's just Mm -hmm. ridiculous. But, you know, we need to fight. Nevertheless, we need to go after these things. And hopefully that sends a message. You know, if enough people get riled up and send those letters and say, hey, knock this off, you know, maybe they'll listen. Maybe they'll get get afraid if if enough of us show up. And that's the thing. I mean, you just don't don't let it lie. Don't don't neglect to to join the fight because we need all the fighters we can get. Well said, man. Well, <laughs> join the join the club, join yeah. the reptile fight club, fight against this crap. <laughs> All right, well, we uh, we done fighting for the for the evening. I'm over it. I'm going to bed. 
Yeah. I'm I got to work in the morning. I'm dragging as well. I think we're yeah. going in early tomorrow. So Heidi's probably already asleep by now. But all right. Well, thanks to Morelia Python Radio. Check them out. Info at Mer- or you can email them at info at moreliapython.com. Check them out on moreliapythonradio.com. Everything you need to know. Follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube all at NPR network. So thanks again to Eric and Owen for hosting this show and for making it possible to listen to us banter and fight one another. Well, thanks for listening and join us again next week for another episode of reptile fight club. Y'all stress me out. Fight club.